I'm Tom Bullock, and by now, you probably already know this, but it's worth repeating. I am officially, not really, running for Charlotte mayor, and my fake campaign is supposed to be on a bit of a break, but I'm back for a surprise episode. Why? That's easy. Tuesday, September 12th, was quite a day in the world of politics. That morning, a certain book went on sale. The subject, a deconstruction of just why a progressive female Democratic candidate lost an election she was widely expected to win. This is my fight song. Take back my life song. Secretary Hillary Clinton joins me now. Hello, Charlotte. <laughs> All right. Please tell me you didn't actually fall for that. Hillary Clinton is not on this episode, but that is okay because something else happened on September 12th. A different progressive female Democratic candidate lost an election she was widely expected to win, or at least forced to a runoff. No, the Russians didn't meddle here in Charlotte, and the surprisingly tall figure of James Comey did not make an appearance. The timing of Hillary Clinton's book and Mayor Jennifer Roberts' surprise primary loss is just a coincidence. But deconstructing surprising losses and wins are important for pretend campaigns like mine and the real ones kicking into high gear for the general election. So rather than settle in for a long read, we're going to do some dissection on what brought down a sitting mayor and chastise some pundits who never saw this coming. And that is going to be fun. Grab your weed whacker because we will go deep into the mayor's race and the city council primary contests as well, and it's worth it. Because a lot changed on September 12th, a lot more may change when the new crop of elected officials are finally sworn in months from now. Oh, and if you thought our pundits made a bad call when they both said Jennifer Roberts would win, listen through to the end to see what music group one confuses with Metallica. Welcome to a surprise episode of Candidate Me. Candidate Me bonus episode. What happened? The Charlotte edition. So before we get to uh, that fun little bit where I get to chastise our political pundits for being flat out wrong, I want to give you a bit of a recap on what went down September 12th, the night of Charlotte's primary. So I'm going to play the piece that I did for WFAE, the public radio station I work for. But first, uh, like all good pieces, it has an intro. So I've invited someone back into the studio. Say hello, Marshall. Hello. That's Marshall Terry, our Morning Edition host. And Marshall, I want you to read that intro for me again. Uh, really? Again? I have to read it again? Yeah, you really do. Okay, okay. The results of Tuesday's primaries are in, and it was a night of upsets. In Charlotte, young challengers beat longtime incumbents, and the city will have a new mayor. Republican Kenny Smith easily won his primary, and by Lyles defeated Jennifer Roberts and Joel Ford in the Democratic primary. In a surprise, that race wasn't even close. WFAE's Tom Bullock reports. Thanks, Marshall. You're welcome. The first hint that change was afoot, that something was up, arrived just after 7.30 p.m. The Times, the polls close, and the Mecklenburg County Board of Elections post the results of early voting. 
and those results showed Mayor Pro Tem Vi Lyles with 47% of the Democratic vote. Mayor Jennifer Roberts was in second with 36%. Joel Ford was a distant third with 14%. At the Roberts campaign party in Plaza Midwood, the party was put on hold. But the small crowd of supporters who gathered were patient. The votes they believed would come in. The mood was very different a short drive away at the Vi Lyles campaign headquarters. There, the crowd was jubilant. And so was their candidate. I'm pretty stoked, actually. Vi Lyles had reason to be. Early voting totals are more than just a tally. They're like a final public poll. Sure, there can be big swings and upsets to those early voting totals. But in municipal primaries, those are rare. And through the night, as more and more precincts reported in, Lyle's 10% margin held. Just after 9 p.m., Sam Spencer, Jennifer Roberts' campaign manager, told reporters the mayor would make an appearance in five or so minutes. But first, he said, Roberts had to call the next mayor of Charlotte. Shortly after, Jennifer Roberts made her way to the second floor of the Peculiar Rabbit. She hugged supporters, one kissed Roberts on the cheek, leaving behind just a bit of lipstick. Um, and, you know, thank you all so much for being here, for supporting me. Jennifer Roberts walked to the middle of the room. She thanked her donors, her volunteers, her family, her staff. Then she gave the heart of her concession speech. It has been such an honor to serve as mayor during like probably the toughest two years Charlotte has seen in her history. A time span that includes the killing of Keith Lamont Scott and the protests which followed, the city's LGBT ordinance, HB2, and the boycotts. This is all part of moving that conversation forward so that we stand up against discrimination. And I do not apologize for standing up against right. discrimination. Yeah. Jennifer Roberts then pledged to help Democratic values win the November election. It has been such an honor to serve as mayor. All this was watched live by a victorious Vi Lyles and her fans. It was now time for Charlotte's new Democratic nominee for mayor to take center stage. The very first thing I want to say is that I am extremely humble and grateful for the confidence of the voters of this city to say that they're willing to put this wonderful city, this great place, in my trust as mayor. I am eternally grateful for that. We've got another race to go, but I promise you that we're going to run this the next several weeks just like we ran this one. We're going to speak about the issues and we're going to speak to the people about the issues and we're going to advocate for unity. The very By winning the primary with 46% of the vote, Lyles did two things. First, she avoided a runoff election. And second, she showed Democrats in this city are ready to rally behind her. Still, she has a new fight on her hands. Republican Kenny Smith walked through his primary with 88% of the vote. Lyles spent almost all of her campaign donations to get to this point. She has just $43,000 left. Smith has spent almost nothing and has a war chest of $325,000. And 
he is ready to go on the offensive. Mayor Pro Tem Lyles is essentially the same candidate as Jennifer Roberts. Uh, she has been with her 100% on policy initiatives. Many of those have been outside of what we think are sort of the moderate mainstream. Up for grabs in this fight for mayor is the fastest growing voting bloc in Charlotte, unaffiliated voters. Smith believes he has a message they will vote for. What we've been campaigning on to date are the issues that we think are most important to the citizens of Charlotte. That's infrastructure, safety, and jobs. We're going to continue those themes, and also we're going to differentiate ourselves. Kenny Smith and Vi Lyles now have just eight weeks to make their case to Charlotte voters. And I am now back in our studio. And what's that I hear? Luckily, this isn't some Hitchcock remake. That's more like dinner, as in crow. It was what's for dinner for the two men sitting across from me right now. They make up our mm. completely biased mm -hmm. political panel, and I'm guessing that's what you both ate on Tuesday night for dinner. Welcome back to <laughs> Larry Shaheen, our Republican strategist, and Dan McCorkle, our Democratic strategist. We deserve that one. Well, but night well in other ways, though. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that, but let's get right to it, gentlemen. What happened to Jennifer Roberts' campaign? And before I get to you both, let's hear from the unvictorious candidate herself. She was asked by my colleague Mike Collins if the protests one year ago after the Keith Lamont Scott killing led to her primary night loss. And here is what Jennifer Roberts had to say. I'm going to let the pundits figure out, you know, why Vi Lau is one. I think Vi is going to be a terrific mayor. I think... She has a lot of great connections and visions for the city, and we're not that really that different. So I, I, let the pundits say that. Uh, I feel very proud of the accomplishments I've had in the last two years. Uh, there are a number of things that we have improved, moved forward on, and a lot of people feel more included in the conversation, and that's really important in a democracy. Gentlemen, you would be the wow. pundits I have in front of me. Dan, you want to start? That is a gracious way to concede. And I'll just say that unlike 2015, we'll just leave it at that. Um, Jennifer suffered over a year of really bad media. I mean, it was almost daily negative media coverage. And so I think it slowly eroded the support we thought she had. Now, also add to this the fact that we did not have any independent polling. Mm -hmm. We had a poll from Jennifer that showed her ahead. Mm -hmm. We had a poll from Joel Ford, which was utterly ridiculous, mm -hmm. showed him way ahead in Vilaus at 9%. And also said that they polled 22,000 respondents. Yeah. <laughs> so we never really knew where this campaign was. We could speculate. We could get a educated idea, judging from past elections. But, yes, we were wrong. But, uh, the, yeah. but uh. the one thing is, is, is and, and, and me and Larry have actually have talked about this in a couple of other uh, times the last couple of, last week or so. It, I, in my opinion, it was a classic ground game, phone calls, touches, being out there, meeting folks, meeting voters, persuading voters, versus a very nice and glossy poll-driven media campaign. Now, I need to, I need to push back on you here because... Negative media is such an easy thing for candidates to blame for election night losses. Negative media, though, is part of being an elected official, especially when you're mayor you of a to, major you city. You have to counter it. You have to this dislike. She should have been out there when the riots were going on, mm -hmm. soothing the city. You can't let negative media go 
and not counter it. But that would be more on her campaign than it would be on the media, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. I'm saying that the negative media and not countering it slowly eroded the support she had. I mean, it was amazing some of the numbers we saw Tuesday night, especially in Dilworth Plaza Midwood Elizabeth. Her normal strong point, Val Owls was making huge gains in those areas. And, of course, one uh, giant in the west side and university areas. I mean, it was over. I mean, when I saw some of these Dilworth areas coming in, Jennifer was not getting enough margin. I saw the African-American boxes come in. She was getting creamed. It was over. Now, Larry, you're the Republican here, but you also were a big proponent of Jennifer Roberts. I was. And her campaign. Oh, let's back off. I'm not a proponent. Was never a proponent of Roberts as a as a the as big the mayor. secret has just come out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let, but, but I will. I did. I, I had a, I had a lot of respect, and I still do. Let's let's be clear. I have a lot of respect for Jennifer Roberts' campaign staff, Sam Spencer, uh, the folks that work for her. Um, they're professionals. They know what they're doing. Um, and I think that the thing that they were trying to do was to get Jennifer reelected in in in, in an area in, a, in an area and in a in a time where she was not as well liked as I think even they probably thought mm-hmm. because I think that they they probably thought they had the, from the polling that mm-hmm. they thought oh we're going to be able to pull this out because I, I they I'm certain they did polls and I'm certain well, none we of know them saw, they did yeah, you none guys of them know saw they it coming polls. none of them saw it coming and I think what they didn't see coming was well first of all the hurricane you have to factor that in that does factor it, it sucked a lot of a lot of life out of their messaging. Yes, yeah, sucked I mean, a lot dominated. of life out of their it messaging. Dominated. It dominated them, and, and and at the end of the day, it was a it was it was a thing that affected turnout. Two, the double whammy of the Keith Lamont Scott shooting mm-hmm. and the the riots after afterwards, and the and the way Jennifer responded, and the the problem and fallout of the non discrimination ordinance in HB two. If you look at where she lost, Jennifer did. It was through large swaths of African-American precincts where if she had not had the HP2 issue, she probably could have survived that. If there had not been the shooting and there had been fallout from HP2 and Jennifer had done better in African-American community, she could have survived the other. But I think the combination of those two things really hit her among primary voters harder than it than it than than she even she expected and even anyone expected. And I think that everyone will tell you that this result would have been believed in the runoff possibly. But I don't think anyone expected this in the regular in the in the regular primary, and this was something that I, I just don't know if you could properly well, pull it. Larry, we never really knew her African American strength. I want to talk about the the Black Political Caucus of Charlotte Mecklenburg. They were not in the past necessarily major players. Recent past, right? Uh, you know, you can go back even farther. I'm sure they they played a significant role, but. Under new leadership, have they become a much more potent political force in Charlotte? They had money in the bank, and that was enabled them to do a mailer and enabled them to print enough flyers to cover uh, the areas that need to be covered in the West Side University area. You know, they were very helpful, but there's so many groups out there this time. I mean, I've never seen more participation from more groups like New South Progressives. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of groups that emerged from this election that were very active, not just with poll working, but some of them actually helped financially. So you had a lot of stuff out there. It's, it's good to see. I mean, we're grown up as a as a city, obviously. I like to tell people we're no longer the sound of music. We're Metallica when it comes to these races now. We really, we really rock. <laughs> Charlotte really rocks when it comes to politics. Wait, Metallica? Wait, 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 wait. Metallica? <laughs> you, 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 don't, you don't consider... <laughs> Anything new? No, no EDM. Hey, 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 this is public hey. radio, so it's good that we have a band that's also yeah, done a symphonic true. album. That's I guess. True. I that's true. That's, oh yeah. But I want to go to a note from friend of the pod Peggy, who wrote in. 
with this statement, and I quote, I was LOL during your podcast because Dan had so much confidence in Jennifer Roberts. I could see the writing on the wall, exclamation point. Now, Larry, she spared you because you also were right there in that camp. I was. But negative media, that's such an easy thing to glab onto. Well, Should, I mean, we hit it? Should we have seen the writing on the wall? Was it right there in plain sight and no. everybody just kind of followed along? No, it, it was wasn't. a narrative and we all jumped on that train. Well, I don't think it was a narrative. I don't. Because you know what? Jennifer's never lost locally. I mean, gosh, I mean, if it, I'm, not, I'm not trying to defend my being wrong. I'm wrong. I was wrong. I thought Jennifer was going to take it. Can I put reverb on that segment? Yeah, <laughs> going ahead. Um, but, I mean, come on. At the end of the day, her past performance as a campaigner was never in question. And this came out of nowhere. It did. It came out well, of even, we, we, even Vi Lyles' campaign. They were all expecting a runoff. And I do want to bring up the victorious Vi Lyles. And this is an excerpt from her speech, her victory speech, Tuesday night. We have to remember that when we have a Democratic Party, we do this in unity, and we have to step forward together. So I know that I can count on the support of all of the Democrats on the ticket. Remember, this is a ticket about moving our city forward. It is about a progressive agenda. It is about actually providing those things that we talk about economic opportunity, affordable housing, great communities. And we do that with a mayor and a council. So I'm grateful for those that have offered themselves on the Democratic ticket for this race. So I'm ready for this opportunity. And that is the victorious mayor pro tem, now Democratic nominee for Mayor Vi Lyles. Sounded great. And here's the thing. We were talking about issues. Larry, you made mention of this before. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about Vi Lyles' campaign is that she was basically Jennifer Roberts but not Jennifer Roberts. Exactly. And and, and I, I've actually said this before, too. There comes a point where maybe, maybe people wanted to take it down a notch. I mean, we've been through a lot of mayors. We've been through a lot of stuff in the last four years in Charlotte. Vi Lyles is an entirely different personality, entirely different person when it comes to governing. Maybe we want what Jennifer talked about. We want it served in a different manner. And that's an interesting point, too. That's because, a very good point. It is I a mean, very good Lyles, point. I think it's fair to say, given her decades of experience as a city staffer before ever being elected, given the way she ran her cam- campaign, Vi Lyles, to me at least, came across as it's time to elect a technocrat, someone who knows the budget, knows how the city works, and who may not be out there as much as, say, a Jennifer Roberts. Is that a fair comparison? Very I don't think fair. it's – well, no, 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 no. I don't think – out there, I think, is the wrong way to say that. She will not be – it's controversial. Well, I, I, when I said out there, yeah. I mean out in front of the out cameras. Of the, out. Oh, I think Vi's gonna. I think I think Vi's gonna have much better press than Jennifer, except it's gonna be local press. It's not gonna be national yeah. press. It's gonna be getting in front of WBTV, WFAE, WBCCB. She'll be on the locals. She'll pick the locals. She'll do the papers. She'll do all this. You won't see her on CNN. But you know what? Well, maybe it's time for that. Kenny Smith has been talking about how we need to return to local and we need to return to the local issues. And yeah, snort all you want. That's been his message from the beginning. He's been running it well, since the beginning. Well, good luck with that. Good luck with that. I think you're going to have to now, show me. Demographics take over now. Where you don't is Vi different than Jennifer other than she is not physically Jennifer Roberts? That, now, that, you're Dan, you have, actually you're just agreed have, with that point. You did just agree with that yeah. point. So let's 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 build there's off no of long, this. There's no longer – Target on Jennifer Roberts' back, no matter what she said or did. She could have invented a cure for cancer, and your Republicans would have a big target on her back in, in November. 
But you, you Vi allows an entirely different person. Okay, so your contention is, let me make sure I've got this right. Your contention is, is, is that this was state. not a repudiation of Jennifer Roberts and her policies. This was a repudiation of Jennifer Roberts as the individual. As she was projected in the media and as she handled herself as mayor. So you don't Vi, think Vi is a very different person. So you don't think that the Democratic voters rejected her policies, which were then which were then Pushed I, I, by I'm actually going to answer they that one yeah. because bring it, bring it down a notch is what we want. Yeah, turn the music down. I'm going to I'm turn the Metallica down if we're turn the Metallica down. <laughs> I'm going to say this though, Larry. Uh, the answer to your question, in my opinion, is the Democratic voters did vote for the same policies as that Jennifer mm-hmm. Roberts had. They just didn't vote for Jennifer Roberts. If you go down the line, Vi Lyles and Jennifer Roberts stand for many, if not all, of the same things. The dial may be turned down. An easy thing to point to would be, if you go back to the original plan for the LGBT uh, expansion, the ordinance, Mm -hmm. it was Vi Lyles, I believe, who, you know, tried originally said, well, the bathroom part of this is the controversial part. Let's strip that out. Mm -hmm. And then you have LaWanna Mayfield and a couple others saying, if that's out. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. one, two, two, was that two, three years ago? So, you know, it's it does seem like Democratic voters in this Democratic city are fine with the policies, but not the messenger in that case with Jennifer Roberts. Is that a fair way to say it? Very fair. What is her campaign at this point? Because Vi Lyles ran a, a fundraising. very – well, we'll get to that too. <laughs> Vi Lyles ran a very cordial campaign against Jennifer Roberts, and it she had not, to. It will not be cordial now. Are we expecting positive? She, are we expect, and I'm not talking well, – we're going to bring up Kenny Smith after this, but I want to hear the Vi Lyles answer first. Kenny. Um, understand one thing. She's now, she's now a historic candidate. She will be the first African-American female elected in the city of Charlotte. Larry, there's nothing you can say about it. We've had plenty of white men, old white men like Kenny Smith. Vi Lyles <laughs> will be very exciting to the West Side University area. You get a big turnout in West Side University, a Democrat can beat anything, Larry. And also, she's acceptable to Democrats in South Charlotte, Providence Corridor, Myers Park, those areas where Jennifer was not. Vi will have a much more complete victory, probably the most complete victory by a Democrat since 2011. Go ahead and mark that. Okay. Uh, okay. Marked. Mark that. Larry. Larry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've gotten both of you to admit that there's really no difference between Jennifer and Vi. So tell me, why would you – if if, 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 people if one was bad, then why go for the other? I, I, I'm sorry. Kenny's campaign – and let's just How talk would, about structure. Please, can we talk about structure now? Can we all talk right. about structure? No, you want to jump ahead. You want to jump all ahead right. to Kenny Smith. So yeah. I'm going to introduce him because he won his, well, I'll call it a but primary. But it wasn't unanimous. It wasn't unanimous. <laughs> no, he won with, with 88% <laughs> of the vote. But no, Kenny. That means 12% of the Republicans are ours. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, uh, I don't think so. But I do think it's also important to point out this is not an apples to apples race. No. Vi Lyles, Jennifer Roberts, Joel Ford, the top tier of the Democrats. Spent what, $600,000? Well, oh, more than that. More than that, more like $750,000. But they also were top tier candidates. Now, technically, Kenny Smith had a primary against two other opponents. But let's be quite honest here. He was not specifically challenged no. the same way Jennifer Roberts or Vi Lyles were. No, and he got the right number. I mean, <laughs> tell me the last time anybody won by, I mean, I think Edwin won 2013's random primary by about this same number. So. Oh, and how did that work out in the general? Uh, he got close. But Kenny won everywhere. In the, I think he lost one precinct. Yeah, and there were ties where no one voted. Which, always a lovely tie. It's like the soccer match of politics. Exactly. Ties where no one voted. Now, Kenny Smith <laughs> did something which I thought was interesting, and I'm curious what both of you think about this tactic. He sat on his cash. And before you answer, I'm going to let him explain why. He raised a ton of money. He spent about, you know, 
in the mid $70,000 range, and he's still sitting on at least $325,000 in the bank. He told us that was by design. We wanted to know who we're going to run against, and that is for us effectively. This is going to be a 60-day sprint. Money spent in June doesn't win, doesn't necessarily win the election. And so we want to have the maximum amount of resources at the most critical juncture of the election. And we're going to be very well positioned to, uh, to take on Mayor Pro Tem. So? All right, Kenny, here's your problem. Um, oh, wow, he jumped right Vi- on Lyles, in. Vi Lyles was already defined by the media, by the voters, and by the Republicans. You're now going to try to define Vi Lyles in whatever strange way you're going to try to do it in a very short period of time. Um, that doesn't work. It takes months to attack, what which is what Republicans are going to do, and to define an individual. Vi Lyles right now is seen as a very, uh, very, well, very moderate person as a Democrat, Someone without a target on her back, someone who's very businesslike and knows government very well. So Larry, uh, Kenny Smith has a very short time to make her out to be a monster. And Larry is chomping at the bit here. Your turn. <laughs> How are you going to make her into a monster, Larry? Yeah, a, a, mon- a monster? Uh, let's see. She's no different. She's absolutely no different than Jennifer in terms of all of her policies. So, okay, that's one. Two, Kenny has a massive amount of money to spend with a whole bunch of people who have absolutely zero clue who she is. And three... You've seen a city uh, you know, h- hungering for change. They Is that decided, a word? Yeah, they are. They're hungering for change. It was shown true in your Democratic primary. You've got Kenny with a whole bunch of money and Vi with absolutely none. Well, she's got 40-some 40, 40 thousand left, but that's, and let's face that's it, nothing. that's almost nothing. That's nothing. And Larry, and what, is the, de- what no are the demographics of Charlotte? Uh, it, Kenny, Kenny is He's going to rise from 21.5% to 50%. He's got the money to do it. And Vi can't push back. Sometimes... Money doesn't matter. Well, you know what? We're going to find out. (laughs) And here's the thing I have to bring up, and I think this is something we can draw back to our conversations about State Senator Joel Ford's attempt to become mayor. Kenny Smith is known among Republicans, sure. Mm -hmm. But Kenny Smith is also a district representative on the Charlotte City Council. There is a huge swath of the city who don't – they just don't know who he is. That's that's agreed. No, I agree with that. But let's talk about the electoral math. District 6 is going to come overwhelmingly for Kenny. Mm-hmm. We know that. That's his current position. That's District 2, District 3, District 4. Dana, district 1. District No, I don't okay. think so. Okay, district this, 1 and uh, District 7 and District 6 will be overwhelmingly Kenny. District 2, 3, 4 will District 2 and 3 will be overwhelmingly Democrat. District 5 and District 1 and District 4. Those will be where this race is decided. District 5 yeah, I got to question that myself. You didn't even have a Republican run in District 5. Doesn't matter. In many years. Well, that's right. But here's the fun part. Kenny's now got money to go to District 5 when no one else did. All right. Let's let's talk let's talk specifically though about the unaffiliated voters. That's that's where it's going to be key. This yeah, this seems key to me. So this is what Kenny Smith said. This is how he described how he is going to reach out to those voters. The last mayoral election was decided by 3700 votes. And so it, you need, you just need to find those uh, 3,700 voters and get them to the polls. Uh, it will be a low turnout, um, probably somewhere in the 15 to 16% range. And low turnout means anything can happen. But more importantly, the issues that we're campaigning on, the themes that we have discussed to date in the campaign of infrastructure, safety, and jobs are bipartisan. And um, we, th- we think that we will carry the day with our message of uh, change. That's what you're talking about, Larry Shaheen. Yep. 
That's exactly that's okay. exactly what I'm talking about. participate in what level of municipal elections? It's Remember? low. Yeah, so I'm projecting, and this is just for my consumption. If we get a 22% turnout, it's 120,000 voters. The win number is about 60,000, 267. That's a lot somewhere. lower than Vi said on Sunday. 22% turnout. Vi thinks she needs 46,000. Okay, good. She must be looking That's at a, a turnout. That's a real she low turnout. She must be looking turnout. at an 18% turnout or something like that. Okay, if you break that down in participation in recent years, that'd be 60,000 Democrats, 36,000 Republicans, and 24,000 unaffiliate. Therefore, Larry, in your mind, he has to get every single unaffiliated. How did you vote. break that down? How did you how did you how did you come to the ter- the breakdown of Just unaffiliates? Just go back through the last couple of elections to see the participation of the unaffiliates, which is normally pretty low. And I may be generous saying that that many unaffiliates are going to be voting. Well, you know what? There's a lot of unaffiliateds who are really angry about what went on with HP two and the riots. There's also a lot of uh, unaffiliated that voters don't like who Republicans to, who tend to be young, and there are plenty who are partisans on both sides. To be fair, and the millennials did actually come out in some sections of town this time, and I guarantee you they are not Republicans. You can digitally target these people with issue-based ads, but it's a low turnout election. That's the other thing. That's why you need to have the grassroots. Yeah, the hardcore activists are still voting. Seventy-eight percent of our listen—well, not our listeners, but seventy-eight percent of Charlotte. Seventy-eight percent of Charlotte will not be voting in this election. That's just seventy-eight uh, percent, and that's very. It could be eighty. Yeah, it could be eighty-five yeah. percent. A lot, except FAE, it'll be seventy oh, percent. Will please be voting. vote. Please vote. Uh, All but, right. but no, I mean, you can't get too fancy in these low turnout elections. That's something I've learned a long time ago. That's now, true. Now, before we get to the even lower turnout elections, which were decided by even fewer votes, the city council, uh, I've got one more constituent question here, and it's based off a fact which I'm going to bring up now. More than $850,000 was spent in the mayoral primary. That's all of the candidates. That's a huge chunk of change mm-hmm. for this city. So Hannah wrote in with a question, quote, how can so much money be raised to go towards the candidates themselves, but the money can't get raised to help out with the actual issue involved? Oh, Excellent. Oh, Hannah. Because, Hannah, you're paying for a lot of high-priced consultants. Uh, I always not say it's not how much money you raise, it's how you spend the money. And a That's lot right. of money gets wasted in any campaign. That's right. And these mayoral campaigns, I don't know, they think they're running for Senate or something. I've never seen the kind of staff and the kind of consultants they bring in for a campaign where you need a very small amount of votes to win. The the cost per vote... Was thing, astronomical. I mean, yeah. Jennifer Roberts was $30 a vote. Vi Lyles was $15 yeah. a vote. Joel Ford was 32 bucks a vote. Kenny Smith, granted he didn't really do a whole lot, was 9 bucks a vote. Yeah. So what Which is... Which is outrageous. It's I mean, crazy. I did 77 cents a vote one time, Larry. You oh. did. That was the, Well, and that's the thing is that when you talk about— that was about, back in 1930, well, 77 well, cents will buy a Model T. Let's get back to Hannah's question. Money in politics, are you ever going to be able to divorce the two? The answer is no, because it is a First Amendment right. I truly believe that. Now, your reason that you know, you've got folks with such a hard time uh, raising money for issues— is because probably they don't have as, as well-paid fundraising consultants as our mayoral candidates— have. That's a fair point. Because they have some some of the best. All right. Now, after much ado, let's talk city council. You both represent city council candidates. I'm going to waive our restrictions that I've held like firmly in place on yeah. both of you. I'm going to allow you to talk about your candidates. Before you say anything more, Larry, tell us who your candidate <laughs> is. I was working for Tarek Scott Bakari in District 6. Dan, tell us who your candidates are. I was working, am working for Dimple Ashmira, City Council at Large, and Greg Phipps, City Council District 4. And all of your candidates have made it to the next round. Of course. 
Well, I, I'm going to start with you since you said, of course, yeah. Dan, with what could be a burning question. Now, Dimple Ashmira, she this is her first election. She was originally appointed to uh, District 5 to replace John Autry, who John Autry, was elected was to the General can- Assembly. One of my candidates, too. It's kind of strange. And um, so this is the first time she is running for actual election. She came in fourth. A strong fourth. A strong, Both, yeah, and that is a, yeah. that is fair. It is a strong fourth. But I think one of the burning questions here, and I'm curious your honest take on this, Dimple Ajmira has been out front with some controversial comments, we'll say. She right. had her Trump, you know, no Trump representative should be on city council, which she then kind of walked back. And then she also had what was a bizarre moment on the Charlotte City Council a few weeks after Charlottesville asking, right. you know, for a proclamation. She has gotten, and you just talked about this, she has actually received a lot of negative press. So my question is this. Did Dimple Ajmira perform better because of that attention and because of her stances, or did she perform worse because it, it, of the it, same? It, it depends. Now, I understand one thing. You survive a primary, win a general. Remember, Smudgy Mitchell did fantastic in a 2015 general election, came within 250 votes of losing. Yes. Placement in a primary does not necessarily mean placement in a general. That's fair. Now, the thing the thing with Dimple is it helped her tremendously in some areas. Now, understand, the first six months of Dimple's tenure was very positive. It was about Eastland Malls, about being the first millennial, the first Asian. Mm-hmm. Then after the Trump situation, uh, you know, it got controversial. So what had happened with Dimple, she ended up being extraordinarily strong in the university area, west side Beatty's Ford Corridor, where a Democrat needs to win. She did very well in Sugar Creek, Albemarle, Shamrock. Where she did tremendously bad is where you have the moderate white Democrats, the more professional Democrats, the Democrats that read The Observer, and that is Myers Park, Providence Road, Park Road Corridor. Mm -hmm. She did awful there. I mean, like numbers, she came in sixth out of the main six that were running, where she finished first or second in most university and um, west side boxes. Uh, She also did not do as well as she should have in Dilworth Plaza Midwood Elizabeth. So anyway, what Dimple became is she became very strong with African-American females. Uh, she became very weak with a lot of uh, white voters in certain parts of town. That, that needs to be overcome in the general. And that's, that's the kind of problems me and Larry have to solve <laughs> all the time. Now, you, Larry, the Republicans didn't have a primary at large. So I'm going to let you start with this. Claire Fallon lost yep. and lost badly. How big of a surprise was Claire Fallon? That wasn't that big a surprise. And why not? Um... You know, you got to run a complete campaign. You got to have everything. And Claire is a great lady who probably is closer to my side of the aisle than she is to that's many fair, on the left. Yeah, that's a fair statement. She but, often would but, vote but, across and party lines. And that's it. She crossed party lines on stuff. And when it comes down to getting the endorsements that she needed, she didn't get the observer, which she had relied upon for several years. And, you know, you asked us a question a long time ago about what endorsements matter. Yeah. You got your answer. Yeah. Charlotte Observer endorsement mattered because where he talked about where Dimple did poorly, that's where the Observer endorsement mattered. Right down there. And he was right. He nailed it on the head. Dan nailed it on the head. In a primary. It's it's going to matter in a general too. No, not as much. But anyway, one thing I will say about uh, about Claire is that, you know, she had six good years on the council. Mm -hmm. And I always say this about a lot of folks, and it may have applied to two people that were defeated on the council incumbents. There comes a time where you can look back at what you've accomplished and say it's time to, to get out. Maybe maybe Charlotte is is uh, is changing and maybe I don't fit that change, but maybe I won't run again and I will uh, rest on my laurels, so to speak, and, and rest on what I accomplished. 
And politicians never know when it's time to get out. It's always they want to go for that one more term. They want to do this one last thing. And sometimes, um, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, the party may pass you by. Well, and let's talk about the makeup here because this is fascinating. I've, I've been in Charlotte now for, what, three and a half years. So I was here for the 2015 election. And if you look at the people who were elected to the Charlotte City Council in 2015, John Autry, as we said, has moved on to the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. Al Austin has stepped down to take a, a more demanding job with the state. You have Patsy Kinsey, who was in District 1. She was beaten by Larkin Eggleston. You have Claire Fallon, who is out. And because of the rules in Mecklenburg County, you cannot both run for mayor and hold a council seat. So either Vi Lyles or Kenny Smith will lose in November and be out. So at the bare minimum, you have five. Five new Mm -hmm. members of the Charlotte City Council plus a new mayor. That is half of the overall body. Is this, I mean, is this a significant moment for Charlotte? Why? Yes, the answer is yes, because you're seeing a, you're seeing a movement and change um, in, in terms of, of what's about to happen. And you know where this is going to have the most drastic effect will be land use and zoning. Everyone's going to support. I think everyone's going to have discussions about the police. Everyone's going to have discussions about uh, infrastructure and transportation. Everyone's going to have discussions about you know a lot of things. But I'll tell you what's probably not going to come up. It's probably going to be a very little discussion about any non-discrimination ordinances because I don't think that's going to come up. What I do think will come up is going to be whether or not we're going to talk about what we do with land use and zoning decisions because that is where the council is going to have the most dramatic impact because that's where they have the final say. What's developed? What goes where? Whether developers continue to have support for projects that do not include affordable housing because you can't mandate inclusionary housing. But you can certainly say we're not going to pass that and turn it down. But you never know. Do you think it's that big of a, of a sea change, Dan? Uh, I think it very well can be. Different attitudes, different generations. I mean, we had two genera- three generations. We skipped three generations now with folks like Larkin and Dimple. Um, and so affordable housing, I think uh, neighborhood improvements, just basic infrastructure has to be addressed no matter what. I mean, who got elected? We've got so many roads and so many transportation issues out there. And, and, and if we don't solve those, Charlotte's in big trouble. Um, there will be some social issues, Larry. That's just, that's just natural with this kind of thing. I think it'll be handled uh, less controversial by Vilaos. And, of course, we have the issue of the... Folks up in Raleigh constantly trying to do things to Charlotte. Who's to say they won't try to go after our airport again? Who's to say— Did they ever stop? They never stopped. They never stopped. Who's to say they they will not try to do something with our city council districts? They see Charlotte as a big, blue, massive sea in their nice little red state. But no, you know what? I don't. I don't see that. I don't see that happening. They're going to leave us alone, then. No, let us, thri- I, no, let us thrive. No, 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 no. Let us thrive. No, perhaps. And, and I'm going to be optimistic here. Perhaps this is the change that was needed to reset the relationship. Oh, yeah. And perhaps hmm. this might be the opportunity we've needed so desperately for so long to have people say, we saw how bad it got. We're not going to let it go back there again. Let's try something different. Republican strategist Larry Shaheen and Democratic strategist Dan McCorkle. And speaking of trying something different, after that unexpected reference to Metallica, I decided to let our political hacks try to pick the music we end this episode on. I won't do that again because, well, this happened. What Metallica song is the song that best sums up either the primary night 
or the upcoming general election. I'm wow. going to let you guys vote. Unforgiven too. Unforgiven too. Wasn't it? Uh, I'm going to admit, I don't the know Sandman, the Sandman. Uh, I don't know the name of any Metallica songs. Well, can, I say, Sandman, can I say one uh, of the Christmas songs? Did they do like the whole what is it that is who's the band that runs oh no the the Mannheim Steamroller? Sorry, that's not Metallica. Did you that's just confuse <laughs> Metallica Millennial Mannheim Steamroller? Yeah, I did. Millennials have no clue. Plus Rush Limbaugh plays Mannheim Steamroller, so that's part of Larry would probably heard that in no. early age he heard oh, that. Oh no, Metallica did stuff with um who was it? The, okay, okay, this the is recent person. I, this is paid recent person. <laughs> I can't think of it. So, dear Larry Shaheen, just to clear things up, this is Metallica. And this is Mannheim Steamroller. Yeah, I have no words for his musical confusion. Anywho, that's it for this bonus episode of Candidate Me. The regularly scheduled podcast returns at the end of this month or early next month because I do work at public radio and we do have a pledge drive coming up. So I'm going to say this. Don't grumble when you hear us asking you to donate to WFAE. Instead, think of the alternative. If you love commercial radio, there are plenty of choices out there for you. But for long-form stories, for context, to gain an understanding of not just what happened, but why and what it means, and yes, for podcasts that dig into issues, public radio is unique because people like you donate. People like you pay for everything from Candidate Me to Morning Edition. So chip in what you can and feel free to mention Candidate Me when you do. All this can be done online. Just go to WFAE.org and click the red Donate button. And while you're there, find Candidate Me under our podcast tab and leave a question, idea, or whatever for us in the gray comment box. I'm Tom Bullock, and this is listener-supported Candidate Me.